But it's been such a rewarding experience to be able to talk directly to Black America and to talk about issues in a way that is not approached the same way on other platforms. Welcome to Dear Culture, the podcast that gives you news you can trust for the culture. I'm your co-host, Jaron Keith Gaynor, Managing Editor at The Grill. And I'm your co-host, Shauna Pinnock, Social Media Director at The Grill. And this week, we're changing things up a bit. We're not asking y'all no questions. Instead, we're here to commemorate the craft and gratitude that makes this podcast top tier. That's right. We're in our bag a little bit. Forgive us. It's our 50th episode. So instead of a question this week, we're celebrating. So Dear Culture fam, thank you for sticking with us for our 50th episode episode. It's time to pass out some flowers. So Shauna, before we celebrate, please tell me what's on your mind this week. Tessica, Tessica, Tessica Brown. Ciao. All right. So for those who don't know who Tessica Brown is, there is, you would better know her by Gorilla Glue Girl. So Tessica Brown, well, just recently discovered she's a 40-year-old woman who apparently is also a daycare provider or an educator of some sort. She posted to, I'm not sure if it was her TikTok or her Instagram, where she said, hey, y'all, you know, notice that y'all have been seeing my slick ponytail (laughs) for a while while now and I just wanted y'all to know like that is not by choice. I ran out of my got to be glue spray which is a holding spray mind you. It's Yes it has the word glue in it but it is a holding spray by got to be and she said and you know I thought you know I could just do something real quick and you just trying to slick down these edges get this ponytail together and going about my business and deal with it and so instead she used Gorilla Glue spray which is an industrial adhesive on her black scalp I am just <laughs> baffled and confused by how and why we even got there in the first place. Now, mind you, I'm a person who my father used Gorilla Glue just the other day because there was a leak in my car. <laughs> On, I think like the fluid was leaking out or something like that from the hose that goes with the windshield wiper or something. And he used Gorilla Glue on that. I would not put that into my head. Now, this is clearly gone viral. You know, as she said, Sif wear my hair. We've seen she's gained a whole lot of followers overnight. Plus a, a blue check from Instagram out of nowhere, which was, I said, all right now. You know, views upon views. So many people are looking at the TikTok videos and actually setting up notifications to figure out like what's her journey (laughs) in this like what is she going to do because she also told us she's had this in her head for a month Jaren a month Jaren I don't even keep my locks together that (laughs) for a month but you know what Jaren before I even get into all that I want to hear how you reacted to this story well I must say that Tessica's idea was very novel I had never seen this before (laughs) I'll give her that. It's obviously very shocking. I don't know what would possess a person to want to put any glue in their hair, let alone Gorilla Glue. I get annoyed just using crazy glue when I'm fixing things and it gets stuck on my fingers. I would never put it in my hair. And it seems like she did this for social media and it just made me really concerned. And you said she's 40. So this is not even like a Gen Z or a millennial conversation. She ain't been eating Tide Pods. No, she is not. (laughs) She should know better. But unfortunately, like this culture of like doing things for the gram and for TikTok and just for likes and for giggles, it's all fun and games until like it impacts you in a very real way. And she's going to have really serious problems in terms of her hair health. 
And who knows, she may never be able to grow hair ever again after this incident. And we also published an op on thegrio.com by Nadia E. Brown about the politics of uh, Black women's hair. And it's a really great piece. Everyone should really check it out. And it made me think about a very different situation, but Congresswoman Ayanna Presley, who suffered from alopecia, and she was very public about her experience, and now she rocks her bald head very confidently. But a lot of times, there's a lot of focus on Black women and their hair. And I really felt for her because regardless of why she did it and, you know, what people feel about all this, it's kind of embarrassing. But also, so much pride is centered around one's hair, Black women and Black men. I can speak for myself. As I got older, my hair started to thin, and it's not as, you know, robust as it was. Luxurious. I'm pushing back. <laughs> no, your hairline is attacked, Jared. Your hairline is attacked. Thank you, thank you, thank you. But I'm trying to hold on to it because for Black people, like, your hair is, like, everything. And, you know, putting glue in your hair is just bad health for your scalp. And I don't want to reprimand her and, like, really, she learned her lesson. But may this be a reminder to anyone who might be doing, like, these crazy challenges and just doing things that might affect your health or affect your life or someone else's life. Like, think about it first before you do it. It may not be worth it. So there's something about this Tessica story. I'm going to tell you my initial empathy was like, damn, like she must have confused this Gorilla Glue spray for Gorilla Snot gel. Like, damn, like, oh, girl, didn't you? You ain't read it. The can is clink, clink, clinking like a spray can. Like, girl, no, like you don't know, sis. That's not what you do. And then I don't know why, you know, a lot of us kind of put that narrative on it of, oh, she just mistakenly did it. Tesca did an interview with a radio station. I think it's like a local radio station in Louisiana where she admits, no, she intentionally used the Gorilla Glue industrial adhesive on her head because she thought, well, two points. She thought one, because on the can, it says multi-purpose use, sis. In addition to the multi-purpose use, it says like, oh, you can use it on foam, on cardboard, on cement, on wood. Why would you think this one of the uses, one of the multi-purposes for this thing would be your human scalp? That is crazy to me. That is nuts. I'm sorry. Absolutely not. No. <laughs> so she did that. And then she, because she thought that she could just put it in there because she just needed a quick hole and then wash it off. So in my mind, I'm like, okay, so you thought this was going to be one of the hair hacks for the girls. All right. For y'all, y'all know nothing about this Gorilla Glue. It's still down better than that got to be like no sis absolutely not and then for her to have i'm gonna use my words the temerity to then claim that she may sue the gorilla glue company now i went to law school i did not graduate you know i had my law school dropout so that's fine but i remember product liability so you know there might be a situation there could potentially be a case to be made however that nonsense was stupid it was dumb it was so so dumb and i am really sick and tired of this place that we've gotten to where we are excusing people's idiocy because they're chasing for clout and i get it and i still feel for her because in my mind i'm like girl she said she went to the hospital they were like listen we can do it it's gonna be putting some acetone on your head but you'll be up in here for maybe up to 20 22 hours and she said nah i'm gonna go home sis you should have just stayed in the hospital let him knock her out <laughs> pour the acetone on your head and help you from there because for me that helmet that is now atop her head means that none of her hair follicles are growing i can only imagine the ingrown hairs that are happening on her skin 
scalp that is potentially leading to infection already. Like all of this, no. There were people who were making a point of like, well, maybe she's suffering from mental health issues. I'm sorry, listen to me. No, no, absolutely not. As a person who suffers from mental health issues, like has had like real crazy stuff happening. And for those of us in that community who have suffered from mental health issues, to me, this does not seem like mental health issue unless it's like a desperate cry for attention. But sis, what? (laughs) No. I'm no therapist. But it is kind of traumatic to have this out to the world. He told us, Jerry! I'm sure didn't expect it to go so viral and getting all that ridicule and jokes about you. Like, it can be a lot and it can be traumatic and therefore it can fall into the realm of mental health. Yeah. But we're going to pray for Jessica. We're going to pray for her and her scout. Let's pray for her sister who was also getting her jokes off on TikTok. But let's go. (laughs) But let's talk about the celebration while we're here, Shauna. And that is our 50th episode of Dear Culture. And shout out to our producer, Kevin Y. Brown, because he reminded me that I was on about half of those episodes, 25 to be exact. And I can't believe 50 episodes have gone by so quickly. Mm -hmm. And for those who have not listened to Dear Culture in our early earlier days, before me and Shauna were the permanent hosts, we rotated hosts pretty frequently on the podcast. And I had the wonderful opportunity to be a part of that early transition. And it's been such a joy to see our growth as a podcast. And we really don't shy away from really difficult conversations. And we've always had our finger on the pulse of the culture and what's happening in news and politics. And I think that, you know, our like chemistry is one of my favorite parts. But also, we've been able to predict like historical events in the election. We've had amazing guests. And no doubt we have been blessed these past 50 episodes. And you know, the best part is happening during Black History Month. I think that's pretty cool too. (laughs) But I have to say, Shauna, my favorite part of Dear Culture is getting to have you as my co-host. I couldn't ask for a better partner. Oh, Jared. Well, thank you, thank you, thank you. You know, I actually have been hosting of the podcast, I believe, 18 episodes up until nine. I think this will make the 19th one. So almost half of the time. And that is just so crazy when you think about it. Like time has flown. I haven't even really processed all of that. Like to child, we had to get camera ready. But yeah, I think I am just so incredibly grateful for the work that we're able to do here on the show show, you know, and be able to make, like you said, some Black history, man. Like, this takes a lot to to get done, but we do it every single week because we love to do it. We love each other and we love y'all, our dear culture fam. So thank you. And honestly, it just feels so good to be seen by our community. But more importantly, what do you think about the actual work that we do here? We can't take for granted what it really means to not only work at a Black-owned company, but to be able to have this platform. The fact that anyone listens to us still blows my mind. Podcasting was not a dream of mine. It was not something I necessarily signed up to do. But it's been such a rewarding experience to be able to talk directly to Black America Mm -hmm. and to talk about issues in a way that is not approached the same way on other platforms. And we have such amazing freedom to speak our mind and to talk about important issues that affect the Black community. And one of my favorite moments have been really our coverage of the pandemic because this podcast was launched during the pandemic and we didn't really know what to expect. We didn't know what was before us. And I think we were able to really navigate it in such a collegiate, but, you know, a refined ratchet way, you know, we found- <laughs> 
we found our rhythm. And I think there's no podcast that sounds like us. And the fact that we're just unique, but we stay focused on the commitment to service Black listeners and Black America, but to do it in a way that is young and youthful and fun, but still smart and careful and thoughtful. Well, you didn't took on my words, Sharon. So one of the things that I really love, well, first off, where we work. Right. And I tell people this all the time. My background and my work history comes from places in which often I was the only black face. If not, then I was at least maybe two or three of us. It's revolutionary in my mind to be in a space where I don't have to code switch. You know what I mean? I don't have to switch up and make something sound a little bit more palatable for certain ears or, you know, any of those things. In all honesty, it's just really violent, but it's a quiet type of violence against Black people. That The fact that we even have to kind of watch what we're saying, the fact that another Black person can get shot and killed, and I can get on the phone with Todd and sob. Todd is our CEO. You know, I can get on the phone with him and sob, and it's not a oh, they're there type of thing. Like, we can call out Black, because honestly, (laughs) I believe every Black person should be able to, you know? I think for Dear Culture Pod in general, I remember, again, the initial first few episodes and just kind of listening and as we kind of got our flow into things and what were we going to cover, I think this is one of the shows that We cover everything from, you know, whether it's happening in the Twitter streets, we cover politics, we cover pop culture, we're going to talk about Black love, we're going to talk about tragedies and Kobe and pandemic and all of these amazing things from this really dope and almost a niche perspective. So yeah, like you said, we can do some of the ratchet stuff, we can do some of the political stuff. Like we're no Chrissy and JJ, unfortunately, you know, but I think we can hold our own on a political conversation. We can hold our own if I have to unfortunately cuss out some of the members of the audience because they out here being foolish, you know? We can hold our own about, you know, whether or not if we're talking about LGBT rights, if we're talking about women's rights or anything like that. I'm so proud of us, man. I tell people, I'm dope and I do dope stuff. (laughs) This is where we are. Another one of my favorite moments of Dear Culture, which is pretty much every episode when you curse somebody out. So... But also, I mentioned this kind of earlier about the pandemic, us launching during a pandemic. The past almost year of this podcast, there's been three pandemics. There's been the coronavirus pandemic, there's been the economic pandemic, and then there's also obviously been the racial pandemic. And it's really taken a toll on all of us as Black people, especially here at Dear Culture, just mentally, emotionally, and spiritually. And I want to ask you, Shauna, how have you been able to hold and keep your peace? Copious amounts illicit drugs. Listen, I am not ashamed and y'all will not shame me. I am a proponent of edibles, you know, not to be like gone out of your mind, but honestly, this world out here is tough, man. It is so tough. And to be in our industry where we are essentially 24 seven, I can speak from a social media perspective. Social does not sleep. So if something breaks at two, three o'clock in the morning, God forbid somebody gets shot, someone's dead, da, 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 any of those things, social has to get up and rally. And it's like all hands on deck. Same thing for editorial. I know, Jaren, there have been times where it's four o'clock in the morning and I'm sitting here texting you like, I'm so sorry to wake you, but you heard such a set, like all of this craziness that occurs. So yeah, I am a proponent of an edible and chill. In all honesty, I've been so blessed to have just an amazing team. And when I say team, I'm talking about like, not just on the social media aspect, but like including yourself, Jaren, including Todd and Natasha and Steven and, you know, Marielle. When there are times when I feel like it is overwhelming, 
going, I have never once felt shame or that I was going to get in trouble for saying, y'all, I'm out. I can't even do it no more. Like, I just need a moment to decompress. If anything, I've had you guys directly encourage me. Like, yo, if you need to take a day off, if you need to relax, if you need to not hear from us, let us know. Shout out to like some junior members of my team, Danny and Zamira and Asia, who are like, I took a few days off last week and I'm texting the girls like, hey, y'all, you know, you might want to put this up on social. And they (laughs) responded, hey, so we love you, but respectfully get out of our text messages because you're off work today. (laughs) And forcing me to do that stuff. Garrett and Marissa, who are also the same, like, hey, we love you, but respectfully get out of our phones because it's your day off. You need to relax. I think a lot of that, a lot of prayer. This has been a time where I've actually gotten really more religious per se. And I think because of like the fact that I can't go to church anymore, you know, shout out to FCBC. So you're forced to be with yourself a lot. And in my mind, part of being with myself a lot, all the damn time has been, let me just talk to God or let me journal. Let me get this out. Like I said, I took last week off and that's because I was feeling super overwhelmed with life in general, not just work, but like life. And I'm very thankful that I can do things like come to DCP and be my transparent, authentic self and talk about stuff like that. I think that definitely helps with keeping my inner tranquility and, you know, not going out to go cut somebody. (laughs) What about you, Jared? Well, you already know I'm a proponent for all the things, therapy, (laughs) meditation. I do it all, obviously prayer. And I also would like to say that the listeners of Dear Culture and the producers and you, Shauna, this show, this platform, being able to come on this show every week, it helps me navigate my thoughts and how I feel about certain things. Because the reality is that, like, to your point, we work a lot and we're in the trenches often when the news is happening, whether it's on social or whether it's on editorial. And sometimes you don't have a chance to sit down and organize your thoughts about how you feel and how it's impacting you on a personal level. And I get to come on this platform and go, okay, I'm going to be asked this question or we're going to talk about this topic. What do I think about that. And so it forces me to sit down and be, okay, let's check in with myself. Even though I try to do that on a day-to-day with those practices like therapy and meditation, but there's nothing like having this kind of platform. You know, at times it can feel invasive and... You'd be like, um, do I really want to talk about this on a podcast to millions of listeners? I don't know. But it has been a blessing in disguise to be able to, for me personally, to conquer my fears. Because when I was coming up, I had like stage fright. I'm a singer. You know, I've always kind of been like in the mix and things like I was in the choir and, you know, I volunteer for things in class. And I will always tell myself why, because you're so scared. I would get so scared to talk to people. And so I think it's really ironic that I would end up on a podcast where all you do is talk. <laughs> it helps stretch you. It stretches you, your skills as a speaker, as a journalist. And to hear the feedback from the listeners has given me peace because it's like, wow, people really do connect with Shauna and me. They really listen to the podcast. They really care about these issues. They care that people are talking about these issues. And I didn't expect to be impacted on a personal level in that way. I think I kind of just did the show like, oh, this is part of my job. Sometimes it's fun. Sometimes it's not. But it's just part of the game. But then when you get to experience 
experience it on a real level with real people who are all over the country, all over the world. Like I saw somewhere, you were somewhere high in the list in Jamaica. I'm like, people in Jamaica listen to me? Like <laughs> my, my black self on Jamaica? I don't know. <laughs> so those are some of the things that have brought me peace. But it's very fulfilling to be able to do this and to obviously do it with you. Dope, dope, dope. So now let's kind of switch something up a little bit. So we're going to stroll down memory lane for a hot little second and we're going to play a more PG version of F. Mary Kill. So, <laughs> Jared, which Dear Culture episodes would you chuck? Which one would you recommend? And which one would you redo? Woo! So one, I have to say, our producers are a little messy. <laughs> but if I had to redo an episode, I think it would be our Pride episode. And that's only because I wish I could relish in it just one more time because I really enjoyed that episode because it's always been important for me to find ways to amplify the LGBTQ community, especially Black LGBTQ people, because obviously I'm part of the community and I didn't feel heard and I didn't feel seen when I was coming up. And it's important for me to pay it forward and to not just, you know, take up space, but to like share that space with others. And so I really enjoyed that episode because I got to talk to Laverne Cox about her Netflix documentary Disclosure and about not just the present day harms that black and brown trans women in particular face, but how it is historical and how it's embedded in society and more importantly in media. I got to talk to George Johnson, who is a friend of the Griot, about his book, All Boys Aren't Blue. And he has a very palpable personal experience as a Black queer man and trying to navigate his identity. And it's, and it moves so many people, people who are not even a part of the community were moved by his book. And we had a very uh, beautiful discussion about his experience, but what the community faces as we move forward when we talk about HIV and AIDS awareness and prevention. And I also got to talk to DeLon Burnside, star of Pose, kind of similar, but he talked about embracing both his masculine and feminine energies. Mm -hmm. And I remember that conversation really impacted me in a real way because I kind of had that same struggle. And I think still have that struggle when you grow up as a black boy and you're supposed to be this one idea of what that is. And you have other parts of your personality that you have to suppress. And then you become an adult and you're like, okay, what do I do with all this energy? Like, who am I? And I think it was such a powerful episode. And I would love to just like really do it over and really relish in it because I felt like at the time I was trying to get the episode done. So that's the one I would redo. If I had to recommend an episode, it would be a recent episode with you and I, Shauna. It would be the letting go of toxic family members during the holidays. Because if you want to get to know me and Shauna on the personal level, I think that's the episode you want to listen to. Because we both share things that I don't think either of us anticipated. We were kind of just in the moment. And I think that's what's so great about this platform. But what's so great about you and I is that we're willing to go there to be vulnerable. And I love that episode because I was like, wow, did I really just share that? But when we did share it, people were like, oh my gosh, they really resonated with that episode. And so that's the one I would recommend. Now, if I had to... Gotta kill one. Kill one. <laughs> Check it. <laughs> this is not to be shady. This is only because I have to answer the question. And mm -hmm. I'm like, you know, if you watch Andy Cohen's Watch What Happens Live, you know, that segment with the hot seat, like, I don't want any lifelines. I want to answer the question. So <laughs> I'm going to say it was this one episode we did. It was with Marielle and I who interviewed Kerry Washington mm -hmm. and loved Kerry Washington. But the episode was centered around the U.S. Census. 
And there are a lot of parameters of that episode. I felt really restricted. You we weren't mm -hmm. able to ask her certain questions. It was very Hollywood. It was like, they want to frame it around the campaign about the U.S. census. And so I would just cut that only because as a journalist and as someone who's very, you know, a free thinker and free speaker, I don't like to be curtailed in that way. And I think that it would have had so much more value if we were able to talk about more. But it was a special episode and you guys should still listen to it, even though that's the episode <laughs> I'm going to kill. Okay. So let me answer this. I already know I'm probably going to end up breaking out the rules. <laughs> so an episode that I would absolutely recommend is a very recent episode. And that was the one that we did about the Capitol siege. I believe we titled that that's about white <laughs> and I think the reason why is because, again, January 6th was such a pivotal moment for so many of us. Those of us in the journalism world, those of us in this country, those outside of this country. I think that episode alone got almost 600,000 downloads just for that one episode. And I think it was one of the times where we were, you know what? No, we were able to call out white people, man, like full and full. Like <laughs> we went there and, you know, this is not necessarily something that I'm happy about, but you know, I cried on that episode, really found myself kind of emotional talking about just the overall pain that Black people in this country have to face. It's so crazy to me how many times that white people will say, well, if you don't like it, then you can just go back to Africa or wherever the hell they want to say, which again, y'all brought us here. One, two, you know, it's also one of those things of like, just because I am critiquing this country does not mean that I hate this country. If anything, I love this country so much and it's sucks as a black person, as a black woman, I can say for myself, it sucks to love this country so much and realize that you are in an abusive relationship with this country. This country gaslights us. This country abuses us, kills us, talks crap about us. Like it doesn't love us back. And I think us being able to take a moment and really just talk about that was really impactful and pivotal and something that was super important. An episode that I would redo. So I actually have two. <laughs> so one would be our Christmas Without You, the COVID edition special. And I would only redo it only because I feel like we could have got even deeper. You know what I mean? Like, I think that episode was maybe 45, 50 minutes long. Honestly, we could have talked about that for like two hours of how are people dealing with grief? And when we're talking about, you know, like in the pandemic and ending out 2020 and how crazy that was and understanding like that grief is compounded not just by losing people, but it was us losing our freedoms to be able to do, you know, just go to brunch. I can't even go to brunch. Like <laughs> there's no kiki, you know, again, I haven't seen my girls. I haven't seen my line sisters in so long. And I don't know. I just feel like we could have gone even deeper and even longer, but definitely another episode that I would absolutely redo. And honestly, it was the reason why I would redo it is because I would include all, I know it would be a lot of talking heads. It would basically be the view, but <laughs> I would include all of the ladies of the griot on the episode. I believe I recorded it with Courtney really early on in DCP. And that was episode 16, Black Women Are Ready to Go on the Record, where we had, you know, guest spots by Salai Abrams and Drew Dixon. And it was about the HBO Max documentary on the record talking about Russell Simmons and, you know, his sexual abuse allegations, rape, all of those things. And the reason why I said I would redo it with all of the ladies it is baffling to me and it's really sad when you think I can be in a room of all of our female degree of staff and I can guarantee, say if it was like 15 of us, I can guarantee at least 
12 of us have a story about sexual assault. And if the other three don't have those stories, they know somebody with those stories. I think Courtney and I were able to delve into the fact of like, yo, especially in hip hop and when it comes to black women and our stories and how toxic and gaslighty the commentary from others can be. And when I say others, I primarily mean black men because sometimes y'all be on some bull and being able to kind of talk about all of that stuff and embracing our like, yeah, the Creole sisterhood and being real with one another during that conversation. So I definitely would probably redo that one. Now, episode I would check and we already discussed this and there's a reason why and it's petty and that's fine. I don't mind admitting that it's petty, whatever. And that would be, <laughs> I think it's the episode that we did right before the Christmas episode, which was titled Black Republicans. Y'all all right? Where we chatted with Shermichael Singleton. Yes, we spoke with him. Well, he's no longer technically a Republican. He's an independent, but you know, identified himself at one one point in time as a Republican, as a Black conservative. Now, the reason why I would chuck that is mainly because I give Michael his props of being like, listen, I left the GOP party because it's something completely different now from what I signed up for. But it's mainly because I don't give no air to Republicans, Republican adjacent or otherwise. I just don't. I'm sorry. I can say, yes, I am one of those closed-minded, far-left-leaning liberals. You know, I'll be that. That's fine. Not that I necessarily think it's right, but I know me and my personal health and my peace, which is why you had to have that conversation with Michael by yourself, Jared. <laughs> and that's because I think that there's so many flawed arguments to talking with a conservative that I'm actually kind of <laughs> just a little irritated by it. But I will admit it is an important conversation to have. I cannot say that I hate every Republican conservative person. Shout out to Sophia Nelson. We love you. You know, all of those things. But yeah, I don't have air for a lot of raggedy conservative opinions. So <laughs> that's the one I would chuck. Fair enough. Fair enough. <laughs> but on a serious note, we have reached 2 million, 2 million listeners. And that is no easy feat. And we should definitely pat ourselves in the back. Yes. We did that. But any last words for our listeners as we wrap? Well, considering that I just cussed a y'all out like last week, I guess I'll say something nice and sweet. You know, I would hope our Dear Culture fam knows that the work that we put into this, the love that we put into this show, it's not BS. It's not conjecture. When we call y'all our fam, whether it's the Griot fam or the Dear Culture fam, we are considering y'all as such. We care about your opinions. We care that you're listening. We care that, you know, if you're like, yo, that episode was great, or bounce that ass. <laughs> Any of those things, we really care about you all and we hope that we are doing the work that is necessary. Like, heavy is the head that wears the crown. We understand. And to whom much is given, much is required. Like, we hope that we are living up to those requirements. You know, we are trying to bring you guys stuff that is informative, but funny. You know, get here, come enjoy your black CNN experience with a little bit of, you know, a little dash of flavor. This ain't the shade room now, but <laughs> you're gonna get a little bit of your stuff. A little little seasoning on top of your news. And I'm hoping that we continue to grow, love, learn, and listen with you all. And we are so appreciative. That was really nice, Shauna. Wow. <laughs> I can't really add to that other than, you know, just thank you guys for rocking with us. This has been and continues to be somewhat of an experiment. But more importantly, we are just like you. We are 
Black people living in America, trying to figure this life out, trying to figure ourselves out through racism and other inequities, but also the commitment to really leading us toward real liberation in very real ways. And so I'm just eternally grateful for anyone who's ever listened to us, including family and friends and colleagues. Like, it means a lot. And I'll just, I'll leave it there. Well, Jaren, it's time to check in with our fantastic entertainment director that we have here at The Grio, Courtney Wills. We're going to see what's been on her mind and on her plate. Hey, Court. Hey, guys. How you doing? Doing good. I love to see your face. As you know, we're celebrating our 50th episode of Dear Culture. I can't believe it. Me neither. What was it like when you first joined the Dear Culture podcast? Gosh, I mean, it feels like two seconds ago that we were talking about launching this podcast. We were right at the beginning of quarantine. We were, you know, right at the beginning of the COVID pandemic. And we were really just trying to figure out what this kind of new way of doing our work would look like. And for me, I remember what a relief it was, because it was an opportunity to see your guys' faces and interface with adults at a time where I was locked in with my kids with no end in sight. So it felt like a public therapy session, if you will. I actually was talking to Jaren about one of my favorite episodes that we actually did that I said, low-key, I kind of wish that we could redo it. And that was when we talked about on the record, the HBO Max documentary, and just us being able to have that real conversation about sexual assault. And then especially how we as Black women, if your assaulter is a man, if he's famous, if he's well-known, well-connected, any of those things, how tough that can be. And, you know, I had said there was ever going to be an episode that I would redo, I would redo that one and literally grab every single one of the <laughs> the ladies of the Grio because it's insane. We all have a story. And if you don't have a story, you know somebody who has a story. So I love that you were a part of the early onset of this podcast, Court. Like you definitely helped grow this brand to the place that it is now. So, okay, just to switch things up a little bit, you're always ahead of the game with Black content, you know, coming out and you, you let me know what's popping in these streets. <laughs> Is there any recommendations that you have for our audience about anything like that's new that's coming up that we should be paying attention to? Yes, so many things. And you know, you mentioned that on the record interview, that was early in your culture. I think I was still doing that from my closet, you know, <laughs> with the door locked, trying to keep the kids out. And I remember how relieved I was to be able to tell that story off of the page, because sometimes particularly, you know, that story, those women had been talking for years about what had happened to them and really been largely ignored. And sometimes hearing their own words, hearing it in their own voices really conveys just how terrible that entire experience is. And even after hearing them, you know, tell me exactly what happened to them like it was yesterday, we still had to have a conversation with people who were doubting them and who were trying to poke holes in the story. And so I remember being so glad that we were able to tackle a subject like that in that way. And, you know, that's part of what makes Dear Culture so great. There are so many things to look forward to this month, this year, even this week. Right now, everyone should be marking their calendars for Judas and the Black Messiah. This might be one of the best films I've seen this decade when it comes to the acting, the cinematography, the writing, the accuracy. It's really mind-blowing that we all haven't been talking about what happened to Fred Hampton 
what happened to Bobby Seals. What all happened in 1968 is incredible. And this is a movie that is so, so important to help us navigate what we're dealing with right now and remind us that none of this shit is new. But listen, you say that that's one of the best movies that you've probably seen in the last decade. I know that's high praise. You and I like a lot of the same movies. We hate a lot of the same movies. Right. So I already know, oh my gosh, I'm excited now. I'm extra excited. I mean, Daniel was amazing of, you know, knowing that he is not from here and is able to channel these characters like Fred Hampton, the way that he does. I mean, the dialect, if you go on YouTube and find yourself actual footage of Fred Hampton, the voice, the tone, the cadence. I mean, spot on. And it was really just an incredible lineup of performances. Dominique Fishback is mind-blowing as Fred Hampton's former fiancé. And Lakeith Stanfield is really, I think, going to show everyone that he is here to stay. Of course, he plays the man who kind of betrayed the Black Panthers and betrayed us all, William O'Neill, criminal-turned-FBI informant. And again, the fact that this isn't a story that we all talk about all the time already is just criminal. So I think everyone will find something to identify with, to pull from, to be angered by, to be inspired by in this beautiful film. Well, now I cannot wait to see this film. It sounds like it's going to be really incredible. Is there any other project that we should be looking out for? Yes, we've got a few really cool, highly anticipated projects on their way. Coming to America is going to take us all back to Zamunda. I'm so (laughs) excited to see what people think of that. I'm going to keep my lips sealed for now, but it's certainly worth a watch. And the other thing is the United States versus Billie Holiday. That film is truly remarkable when it comes to Andre Day and her performance. She's never acted before. And she carried this movie and transformed into this iconic, legendary jazz singer, Billie Holiday, like nothing that I've ever seen. You know, the movie does tackle a lot of her life. Sometimes that works, sometimes it doesn't. But when it comes to Andre Day's performance, everyone will be talking about it for sure. You know, Courtney, you've been with your culture from the early days. And I just want to take this time to thank you for the amazing interviews that you have brought to this podcast. Because I feel like even though me and Shauna are the co-hosts, you are another co-host of this show because you bring so much value to our entertainment coverage. And you have such great in-depth conversations with the big players in Hollywood. And I always look forward to having you a part of the podcast so we're sharing the celebration with you for sure thank you so much it's been such a pleasure it's been such a cool outlet something different and a way to you know laugh and analyze what's going on in Hollywood how it relates to us and it's just been such a joy to be a part of so thank you I also wonder what do you envision for the future of the Dear Culture podcast you know I really think that the sky is the limit for us I Mm -hmm. think that there will never be a shortage of conversations that we need to have and subjects that we need to tackle, I would love to see us take it a step further, particularly in 2021 after, you know, when it comes to Hollywood, there have been a lot of declarations. There's been a lot of promises made. There have been a lot of changes enacted, but I'm really looking forward to us holding Hollywood accountable when it comes to the stories that are getting told, who's telling them, and, you know, what the gatekeepers are doing to really turn this drive toward representation into something permanent versus a flash in the pan. And you know what, Courtney, this is so dope. So I'm going to give you a moment to kind of almost get in your bag a little bit. 
for Black History Month on thegrill.com, on our social media, and on our website, YouTube, etc. We're doing a series of interviews that Courtney is at the helm of. Can you tell us a little bit about what we got popping for Black History Month in regards to just what you said about holding Hollywood accountable? Yeah, I mean, it's the first step. It's exactly what we're doing. We're taking a look at how Hollywood highlights our history on screen, whether it's television shows, documentaries, or films. And we're really examining how wrong Hollywood has been in the past and what effects that has had on all of our lives, on the perception of our communities, because of these inaccurate, derogatory, unfair depictions of our people that have really permeated Hollywood for decades. And now we're starting to see that change a little bit. But my question is, what's changing about it? And how can we actually learn something from this content that we're all sitting home and absorbing? How can it affect how we actually navigate what we're going through in politics, what we're going through with the schools, what we're going through with our families, with this health crisis? Content that reminds us that we as a people are strong and resilient And content that reminds us, again, that none of these intrinsically racist practices and policies are new. They have been here, and we have fought against them before. I think Hollywood can be an excellent tool in reminding us of that and giving us a bit of a roadmap to how our previous leaders made progress and how we can too. So I love this series that we're doing. We're talking to Stanley Nelson, who really blows the lid off of the war on drugs and the crack epidemic. And so much of that was literally bullshit aimed at wreaking havoc on the Black community and damaging our reputations as citizens, as mothers, forever. Mm -hmm. And we're still feeling so many of that time. We talked to Andre Day about how she pulled from generational trauma to pull off this incredible role of Billie Holiday and how healing it might be for Black women to see themselves not only in someone as contemporary and exciting as Andre Day, but someone who was walking this path 60 years ago. It's really incredible. We'll talk to the Lucas brothers who wrote the story for Judas and the Black Messiah. We'll talk to Shaka King who directed that film. And one of my favorite parts of this series is that we are talking to the legendary Ruth E. Carter, Oscar-winning costume designer for every movie you have ever loved, from Love and Basketball (laughs) to Selma to Baps to Coming to America. And how just what we look like, just what we're wearing. I mean, she did Black Panther, for God's sake. So think about what those images did for you and what they did for the community. And we really get into how our aesthetic on screen makes an impact on how the rest of the world sees us and how we see ourselves. Oh, that is so dope, Court. And as a matter of fact, for our listeners, if you're trying to catch up, if you've missed any of our old episodes, Court just kind of, it just fired up in my mind. Y'all need to listen to like our Black in the Day episode episodes where we talk about some of the old school black sitcoms, how they changed a lot of our lives. I went to Spelman College and pledged Delta because of a different world, you know, (laughs) all of those things and how honestly Hollywood does really impact us. So thank you so much, Courtney. I really appreciate it. You're welcome. Thank you guys. Thank you so much, Courtney. I think that this is proof positive that entertainment is not just fluff, that entertainment can be used as a vehicle to amplify important conversations and to talk about equity and justice. So thank you for highlighting those important conversations always. And we see you and we love you and we can't wait to continue this ride. Oh, I love you back. Thank you so much. All right. Bye, Court. Bye.
So now, before we wrap things up, we want to take the time to thank our producers. Again, I spoke about this a little bit earlier. It takes so much time and energy to make Dear Culture week to week. And, you know, to our producers, we appreciate all the love, time, effort, and coordination and consideration that you guys put into this. And again, most importantly to our listeners, whether this is your first time listening or you're a committed listener, we love you guys and we love giving our hearts and our time and our expertise to the culture. We love y'all and we appreciate you truly. Keep listening. We want to remind our listeners to please support your local Black businesses and donate to your local organizations and religious institutions. The Black business that we'll highlight this week is Chocolate with a Q. Chocolate is a free weekly newsletter that provides wealth hacks for people of color. The brand is built on the premise that Wealth begins in your mind. It's also worth noting that it's co-created by our former fabulous producer, Lana Adams. Shout out to her. We miss you, Lana. (laughs) You can visit her website at www.chocolate.com for more info. That's C-H-O-Q-L-I-T.com. And of course, if you're watching us instead of listening, you can see our hoodies and just- Go ahead and order one. Go ahead and order one. They're cute. They're good quality. (laughs) Please order one today. The Grill has published a list of 50 plus Black businesses to support during the coronavirus pandemic. If you would like your business feature, please email us at info at That's G-R-I-O dot com. And of course, thank you for listening to Dear Culture. If you like what you heard, please give us a five-star review and subscribe to the show wherever you listen to your podcast and share it with everyone you know. Please email all questions, suggestions, and compliments to podcast at thegrio.com. The Dear Culture podcast is brought to you by The Grio, executive produced by Blue Tulusma, and co-produced by Sundas Hassan, Brenda Alexander, and Kevin Y. Brown. See you next week. <laughs>